Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have a special guest with us from the other side of the world. We have Sheila Harkins with us. So, Sheila, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's very early here. <laughs> yeah. So, Sheila is actually an educator. She's going to be talking to us about her work with teenagers and just um, she's in Thailand. So, yes, we're, we're very literally on opposite sides <laughs> of, the, of the globe. But this is one of the things we love about technology, Sheila, is this the ability to be able to still connect within seconds, which is amazing that we can connect all the way around the globe. But um, we, we love having guests from other parts of the, the world. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what, the, what it's like this time of year in, in Thailand. Is it nice? Is it cold? Is it hot? <laughs> well, it's uh, usually always hot. And um, not great air quality right now, but that's uh, pretty okay. normal too. <laughs> yeah. So, so real quickly, how long have you been in Thailand? We've um, been here almost 23 years now. Wow, that is amazing. Well, I would love to, uh, I want to just dive right in because I really feel like um, a, a lot of our listeners are, are parents um, who, who have lots of questions about their own teenagers. And, and I think any information that we can get from people who are what we like to call like front lines, uh, you know, uh, caregivers and things like that, we want to learn from them. Um, tell our listeners just a little bit about your, your background in education and, and maybe how you've come to doing some specific work in education related to dealing with issues of sexual brokenness. All right. Yes. When I first came to Thailand, I came as a stay-at-home mom while my husband was doing missionary work and teaching. And um, it was when my kids were teenagers themselves. I had three that were teenagers. And I just really started listening to them, listening to their friends, um, hearing of a lot of problems and struggles. And we opened up our home for a youth meeting on Friday nights, and I just loved having the house full of teenagers and energy, and um, that was really great, but I'll always remember one um, Friday night that stood out in my memory um, as we were praying and worshiping and sharing with each other, a group of guys um, started just getting really convicted and sad about their their porn addiction, and they were a group of eighth grade guys at that time. That's been about 12 years now, um, and some of them, um, they were crying about it, talking about it, and so my husband and I just really took them aside and talked with them, and that night we had one um, Korean student that uh, was not from a Christian home, and he was sharing with me that when he started watching porn, he thought there was nothing wrong with it, that it didn't hurt anyone, but that recently when he was watching it, like his heart um, started hurting for the women in the videos. Mm -hmm. And as he told me, he's this big, tough guy, and his eyes just filled with tears. And he said, I don't want to do it anymore, but I don't know how to stop. And at that point in my journey, um, what I knew of porn, I didn't understand that. I didn't know why can't you just stop if you want to stop. But I began to do research and to listen. And um, as I began working at the school, the next year God opened up a position at a large international school where I work um, with a high school department, which is about 400 students. 
And the area I get to work in is so wonderful because it deals with the hearts of the students. I'm called the student ministry coordinator. And I just um, love that I get to do that. And so I kind of got to go full time into trying to understand the hearts of teens, what's going on, what's different about um, when I was that age and what they need. So that has just been quite a journey and I've learned a lot and really loved it while I've been doing that. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to talk about this kind of in two lanes. Um, okay. One is I think we definitely want to eventually hear what you have learned in, in connecting with the teenagers and what you have learned from them in terms of the, the struggles and, and how you've addressed that. But I'd also like to first learn what was this like for you personally in beginning to get more educated about the whole issue of pornography? I mean, I mean, because I hear all the time from from parents, especially when they start realizing things about their kids, and then they start trying to figure out what's going on. There's a personal impact that it can have on a parent of going either the things that they didn't know about, or maybe even opening things up in their own past that they had either just kind of forgotten about or stuff, but what was the personal journey like for you in getting more educated in this area of pornography and, and sexual brokenness? Well, certainly um, I've learned so much and there's a lot that, you know, you wish you could go back and uh, rewind and do a little differently with your own children. But I am grateful that in our family, um, we did have very open relationships with our kids and talked openly. Um, I know when my son went to college, um, after that first six months. And when I saw him, he said, Mom, um, some of the guys he was at a Christian school, like all the guys on my floor are addicted to porn and they don't understand why I'm not. And sometimes when they ask me, you know, I just tell them my parents are really involved in my life. And um, yeah, when he told me that, it just made my heart very thankful that even though at the time, I didn't know near as much as I know now that we were like very intentional about keeping the computers where we could all see them and just having lots of conversations with our kids. And I have to admit, like uh, when my kids were teenagers, I still had a hard time talking about sex and, and uh, porn and putting words to things. But the more that I've done that the last 11 years, it has become a lot more natural the more that I've studied that. Um, and as far as personally, I think that um, I just turned 42, I mean, 52, 52. <laughs> and as I look back on my life and see so many, I was a missionary kid, see so many kids raised in ministry that are adults now and see so many that, um, yeah, we all see it on the news and everything, right? Like Christian leaders that, that have moral failings um, and have uh, sexual integrity issues, sexual brokenness. I've seen it in many friends, and I think it makes me realize, you know, the teaching we got or didn't get um, really impacted us. We didn't have people to talk to about these issues, and I can see that I pushed things down, that I was not comfortable talking. Um, I think I've learned that when something is unspoken, you become shameful even about that, right? Mm. And so as kids, we learn these topics are not comfortable and they're not spoken in our home. So even though we had amazing, great parents, this was an area that was left out often. And so we, we pushed that down and didn't talk about it ourselves. So yeah, yeah I can look back and definitely see brokenness and things that yeah, you, you wish you could do differently, but you can't. But um, thinking how I want to help teenagers, if at all possible, uh, be able to talk about these issues. 
Yeah, I've heard it said before, uh, the little phrase, shame spoken is shame broken, yes. that kind yes. of a thing. But I want to yes. point out for our listeners something that you said that I think is so critical that they hear. Because I think, um, you know, especially parents, you know, there's just a, we have this, uh, there's parent shame that we carry a lot of times, right? Because yes. let's just be honest. If you're a parent, you don't know what you're doing, okay? <laughs> I mean, can we say that? Can we like be open about that? Uh, the reality right. is, is if, if you're a parent, you, you are on a journey of learning your own ignorance. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? true. And so I think that that's an additional kind of shame then that parents have. But what you said is I think so powerful when you're talking about your son is you said looking back on when he was a teenager, you had a lot of ignorance around this area of, of, let's put it this way. You had a lot of ignorance compared to what you know now versus yes. then. But one of the things that you said that was so critical was, but you had a relationship with your son. And I think some parents just need to hear that. It's not about the amount of knowledge that you have about a particular topic that is going to be most vital to their health and development and maturity it's the strength of the relationship, right? Can you speak a little bit about that, about how vital the relational strength is, even more so than whatever kind of knowledge or expertise you have on a particular subject matter? Yes, I, I just think that during those parenting years, um, I had heard someone say, you know, anytime you're saying um, yes to other things, you're saying no to your family and, and vice versa. If you can think of no's to other things as yes to your family, uh, so we took that very literally and really tried to say no to a lot of things for those years that we had kids in the home so that we were saying yes to them. And I know that we tried to um, build a, just in our home, this connection of we are the Harkins and we have fun and we love each other and we're there for each other. And so even though sometimes our kids, even though they went to a, an international school where, where maybe the other students were a lot wealthier or maybe they watched and listened to all the, the newest movies and uh, we didn't do all of that, it would be okay because it was like, but we're having so much fun. And also we tried to be the house where all the other kids wanted to come have fun mm -hmm. with us and, and our doors were open. So I think that that all built a place of um, laughter and connection and so that we didn't have those, you know, um, sure, you have things you have to work through, but the, the relationship was there. And, and I think something I'm hearing too, and I would, I'd love you to, to say whether or not I'm right or wrong on this, but it sounds like what you were creating also was a very grace-filled environment that was mm -hmm. safe for yes. kids to be kids. And like, it could be messy, it could be, you know, unconventional, it could, but, but there's a sense of safety there. And I think that's important because one of the things that we do know when it comes to dealing with really difficult issues in life, and, and sexual brokenness is always a difficult issue, is the more that a, a young person can feel a sense of safety and trust, they're going to be a lot more willing to open up about whatever their struggles are, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we certainly saw that to be true. And I, I can remember when our son was in fourth grade and one night we were tucking him in and he just started crying and sharing that um, his group of friends had started to talk about things they shouldn't talk about and, and tell jokes and 
um, things that he felt very uncomfortable. And just as he shared with us that tension of wanting to be part of the guys, part of the group, and yet feeling this um, as a Christian already in his heart, knowing it was wrong and that uh, he didn't want to be that way. As we prayed through and thought through about that with him and let him share that honestly and, and hurt with him over that tension, um, I just remember feeling like God was just really saying, you're going to have to walk this with him, you know, for, especially for a young man going into these years ahead are going to be tough. And, um, we really tried to help him get good friends that had the same values and let him spend a lot of time with them as well as our family. And, um, yeah, just really trying to be intentional in our relationships with our kids. So let's talk now about, you know, what it's like as an educator. You're in a school, you're, you're seeing, you know, um, lots of teenagers, right? I mean, you, you said 400 students in this school. That's right. Um, so yeah. talk about that journey over the years and how, how you've been able to um, create environments for conversations to happen and uh, maybe even some of the things you've used. I love, I love you talk about this clay connection thing that you guys do, but, yes, but share with us yeah. a little bit about what that journey has looked like from maybe early on to now in how you create these connections for kids to talk about difficult things. All right. Yes. Um, just working with teenagers and seeing how busy and stressed they are, um, I'm sure that's the same worldwide here in Asia. I think there's even more emphasis on uh, for their to do uh, excellently academically. And so there's just, they're under an amount, a huge amount of pressure to be good at everything all the time. And so they're busy all the time. They have extracurricular activities. And we all know that there's a loneliness epidemic, um, that the more connected we are with social media, the less connected we are with each other. So just realizing all that and discovering that um, every time I can create space and create places for teenagers to talk to mentors or talk to each other, that that's going to be key is the relationships. So we have um, life groups every week where students, if they would like to, that's optional, but they can be in small groups and that's with mentors, maybe an older student, maybe a teacher, um, so we, we really work on that as a safe place to talk. Uh, we also have Friday night events every Friday night. And in each event, we um, take time just to give students time to sit when the worship music is going on, to pray if they want, to talk to each other, to talk with a mentor. Again, giving them places to have those conversations. And then we've worked hard with the Clay Connection to let them know how to lead and do that with each other. So um, we chose that name just that we're all, we're all clay, we're all weak, we're all fragile, um, we're all in need of the, the potter shaping us. But when we connect with God and with each other, um, then we have hope of being molded and changed and transformed into something beautiful. So as we come together, just um, giving them, um, we kind of have these cue cards where they can name a struggle that they have or a disappointment that they've had that week, that they can tell each other then um, maybe what lies they're hearing in that situation. And then it gives some responses of how to listen and affirm people in that or how to speak both grace and truth into that situation or pray for your friends. So 
So there's different options of what to share and kind of taking it to the deeper heart levels and then even responding into that. So even trying to teach teens to do this with each other mm -hmm. so that they can really connect on a deeper level um, because we do really believe that that shame spoken is shame broken and helping them to be able to go to those places. We've just seen that be so powerful. Yeah. So tell me, you, you had uh, shared with me before we even, uh, as we were scheduling this, um, this talk, um, clay connection. What is, what is that? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just what we call the time when the students know that we're going to talk about those deeper issues and they divide up in twos and threes. And then they go through the little card that we've made and they, so, they identify so what is the, something. Is, is, is clay like a metaphor? Or, I mean, what are you? Am, yes. Yeah. Okay. Just that we're all human. We're all weak that we all, um, yeah, we're all the same as far as that's our connecting point is that we all have this in common that we just can't get life right. We can't do it right, that we're all sinful, right? That that's, um, that's our connecting point. And then sharing that together um, lets us know we're not the only one and that others are also going through this journey of trying to um, do life. Okay. So let me ask you this. What has been... Um what have been maybe some of the pushback points from the teenagers or is it, is it like, Hey, once people get into these clay connections or these life groups, they just really tend to open up or, or is there some resistance though to, to, uh, cause I, I'm, I'm thinking back on my own teenage years and oh my goodness, I think so much of, of being a teen was driven by fear and peer pressure and shame. And right. so this is a huge at least, and of course, I understand, listen, there's a generational gap, pretty big generational gap between me and a 16-year-old right now, you know. But for me, that would have been a gigantic hurdle to step into a group and say, I'm looking at porn. So yes, yeah, yeah. what's it like? Well, well, we've been, you know, building this for 11 years now, building opportunities and space to, to be vulnerable, to share uh, from your deeper story. Um, when I had studied soul um, care with, from Larry Crabb, an online course, and he said that everybody, that iceberg principle, we all have a deeper story, just really teaching the teens that, that they're not the only one with a deeper story, and we walk around school and smile at each other, but we're each walking around with um, <clears throat> deeper hurts, and that they're not alone in that, even though they think they are, right? That, that they always think they're the only one that experiences that. So. Certainly in a, a school of 400 high school students, it's not every student that's going to join a group, go to that deeper level. But those that um, kind of have a, a taste of that, they want that. They're longing for authenticity. They're longing for a place where they can be real. Um, they have so many masks in their life of trying to look like the perfect student, the perfect child. Uh, they want a place of safety. They want a place where they can say, I'm just exhausted and I don't have it together. And where they can say, these are the areas I escaped to. I escaped to social media, I escaped to gaming, I escaped to porn. And then we can talk about that. And if they're Christians, we can pray about that and work on uh, what, what could you be doing differently or what kind of support do you need to maybe break some of those habits and, and work together on that. How do you, how do you mitigate the, the natural 
dividing line that can happen between sort of an us and them. So in other words, the the kids that do decide, hey, I, I want to get into a life group. I want to do these clay connections. I want to I want to go deep. And then the ones who don't. And is there a is there a possibility that those who are plugging into these groups could be seen as like weak or you know messed up or I mean you know teenagers can do great job of like creating these lines of us and them, right? Sure. So, so how do sure. you work to sort of mitigate that or lessen that? Um, from well, happening. I think at, at first when I um, started this position at the school, there was certainly, um, I think the big place of conflict were that students that hung out in my office or joined my leadership team, they were the Christian students. So they could kind of be, um, because our school is a Christian school, but not uh, Christian, you know, not all the students are Christian. So they could be made fun of for being, oh, there's the holy holies or those that think they're better than the rest of us. But we've worked really, really hard for the students that um, are, are wanting to work in these areas and go to heart areas to know and to see their classmates as people that also are struggling and mm -hmm. that this is what they have to offer them is hope and redemption that they struggle with the exact same things the only difference is that, um, you know, they know a God of love who's helping them and who, who wants them to have an abundant life rather than a life where um, their joy is stolen and destroyed. So just even in trying to help the teens in their mindset to see other teens, not as threats, not as them and us, but as we have this wonderful opportunity to share this love that we found and then this beauty of openness, of sharing, of having people that listen to you and support you. Um, that's, that's where, you know, we're, we're going to and what we try to do. Of course, in, in real life, things can be messier than that. And it's not sure. always beautiful and great, but we have seen a lot of um, wonderful stories come from it. What would you say have been some of the most either shocking or just surprising things that you have learned or seen over these years of trying to draw students into these environments of safety and openness? Um, I think for sure the fact of how much they desperately want and need these times, how many tears I see on Friday nights and how um, if we don't have a Friday night event for some reason, how students will definitely come up to me and say how much they miss that mm -hmm. uh, the next week, that they're hungry for this kind of connection. They're hungry for a deeper level. And, um, you know, we all have that in us that we want to be fully known and fully loved. And as long as you're putting out a false self, you can never know what that feels like. Yeah. So trying to help them see that and even, um, giving them language and vocabulary to name their traumas, their wounds, the places they hurt. And um, yeah, and, and teaching them, you know, like, I think when we're brought up to not tell lies, um, then it's somehow complicated, confusing later when we find out somebody had a double life, like, man, I thought they were Christian. How did they have this completely hidden side? Uh, but I think we start with a lot of um, excusing and justifying and I once had the opportunity of teaching Bible to a fifth grade class in the, the elementary school at our school. And I just wanted to find out, like, um, if they already understood that concept. So I said, if your parents ask you, have you done your reading homework and you haven't done it, but you don't want to tell a lie, 
um, is there anything that you would say or do? And they all were raising their hands. And, and the girl that I called on said, yeah, I would say, oh, I did do my reading. And then she said, and in my mind, I would say for my yesterday assignment. So oh. she already found, found a way that in her mind she wasn't lying, but she was being dishonest. And yeah. um, I think it was on Michael Kuzak's podcast one time where I want to see, I find that quote, but he talks about how the most dishonest people have never told a lie. And I feel like that's what we do. We, we start to excuse and justify and we don't see it as a lie. And we start doing that very young. So we start this split self and this, uh, the image we're projecting is so different than who we are inside. And yet I think we're all hungry to be fully known and fully loved. What you're talking about really fits in with some research that we did um, uh, in recent years. We, we, we decided we wanted to find out some answers from, for parents and teens. And so we went directly to teenagers and we did this survey. And uh, uh, we were amazed to see, first of all, that over 80% of teenagers said, if given the option, their number one choice for who they would like to talk to about sexual issues is their parents. Hmm. we were actually surprised at that because you know the culture and even even kind of the way like you're talking about the presentation that teens can give is like parents are totally uncool parents are stupid i don't want to have anything to do with that and the reality is when they knew it was an anonymous survey they're like i'd love to talk to my parents about sexual things yeah but then also when we asked them what's their number one fear of talking to their parents is that they were afraid that they would get in trouble or shamed for whatever they might bring up to their parents. So I think it's important that parents hear this, right? That educators hear this, that kids actually want to talk about these things, but there's such a fear of, but can I talk about this? Is it going to be safe enough for me to talk about this? It sounds like what you've done um, both in your home, but also at your school is worked very hard to create those safe environments where students can talk about these things. What, what's the effect that you have seen in both the students' lives, but also even the teachers uh, in terms of creating these places where kids can talk about things like pornography and talk about difficult subjects in life? What have you seen? What's the effect that you have seen of that? Well, um, quite a few teachers are just so grateful for the opportunity to give students something that they didn't have. So say you've got a a teacher who struggled with porn in his teenage years or early adult years, and he had no one to talk to. Um, This is just like so healing for them that now they have a a safe place to help someone else. And maybe they tried to talk to their own youth director, their dad, and they could tell it was uncomfortable. They didn't know you know, what to say or do. So just giving them the the tools and opportunities and encouraging them to be open with their stories. We do an emphasis week on these issues where we actually do 53, this year it was 53 different workshops, uh, anywhere from sex ed, anxiety, loneliness, depression, pornography, abortion, all kind of different issues, vaping, gaming, (laughs) uh, the teen issues. And as the teachers lead those workshops, it gives them an opportunity to share their own personal stories and whatever their, maybe their escape was and how they coped with life, how they sued themselves, and then um, how God's brought freedom in their life and what they've learned in that journey. So those conversations um, 
Yeah, just this year, it was so exciting. Uh, one of our young lady teachers shared a story of her own sexual brokenness. And then afterwards, a young student um, who had been making poor decisions in her own life came up and said, I, I, you've brought me so much hope that I'm mm. not like locked into this and I want my life to change. And so I think hearing students, um, I remember one time a, a girl who had already been locked in porn for about four years and you know no one knew not her parents and often these are christian parents missionary parents but they have no clue what their kids are involved in but to see uh, the beauty when students start to share that to pray with others to have accountability partners um to to begin to walk in freedom and to see the joy that it brings them and then the leadership and then how they're able to um help others with that i i remember a guy several years ago that was scared of telling his parents. And then when he did, he, re he found out his dad was his biggest supporter and they could wow. talk about that every day when he was taking him to school and it became this wonderful, deeper relationship. Um, but he had no clue his dad would respond that way. So mm -hmm. just seeing those kind of things take place and seeing the hope and, and how God can bring redemption in. Um, it's just beautiful. And I, <laughs> I love that we can, see that these things that we hear about and um, that I've just studied through books and podcasts, but I can see the truth of so many of these that, that we need connection. We need people speaking our lives. We need vulnerability and yeah. we need God's love brought into those spaces. Yeah. And so we've only got a couple minutes left, but Sheila, I'd love okay. for you to just maybe give some words of encouragement to parents, educators out there of, of what what would you like to say to them that would help give them maybe a little more confidence to step into these types of environments or even try to create these kind of environments? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Be brave. <laughs> Be willing to sit in awkwardness. Like I know it's not easy. I, I had a daughter that would always bury her head in the pillow whenever I brought up these subjects, but um, yeah, just pursue that, pursue their hearts and, and where they are and, Part of that is we have to be vulnerable and open and admit our own struggles and our own journey and where we are and not appear like we have it together. Um, because who wants to tell somebody that has it together um, that they struggle, right? Like we, we want to tell, we connect with somebody else when we see that they struggle as well. So mm -hmm. just to be open in that. And then just one little practical tip I've seen work a lot. Um, if you start a conversation with a student and you start very broad with the statistics you've read, maybe about um, how many teenage boys watch porn, and you start with that and say, hey, I read this this week, or I studied this, and do you think that that's true in the U.S. or in Thailand or wherever you are? And then you can kind of pull that conversation down to, do you think that stat would be true in your high school and in your group of friends? And does that mean that you struggle with that too? Because I think sometimes, you know, it's hardest to look at somebody and say, do you struggle with porn? Right, but if yeah. you start it really wide in general, you can bring it in and, and then create a safe, natural place to have those discussions. That's great. Now, Sheila, you've also got a blog where you've written some encouraging articles and things like that. How could people access your, your blog? Yes, it's just SheilaHarkins.com. So S-H-E-I-L-A-H-A-R-K-I-N-S.com. And we'll be sure to include that in our show notes as well. And I, I did want to say that because, since you mentioned being part of a, uh, a Christian school, um, I want to let all the educators out there know that um, 
it's really because of you that Be Broken is now a, an ACSI certified trainer. Um, what that yes. means is through the, the accrediting, you know, organizing body of all these Christian schools internationally, um, we've now been certified to provide some of our online courses as continuing education credits for educators within the ACSI schools. So if people went to our purelifeacademy.org website and clicked on the leaders um, button, they can find out about the courses that we have that are ACSI certified. But I want to thank you for that because it was because of you reaching out <laughs> and realizing, hey, we've got courses that would help educators in this uh, that yes. now we've been certified. So thank you for kind of uh, paving well, the way so for I'm so thankful. I've learned so much just from the podcast and appreciate that. As I learn things, I can pass it on to teens and really appreciate y'all getting that certified with ACSI. So thank you. Yeah. Well, Sheila, we appreciate you. We are grateful that you have been brave and that you stepped into this. We, uh, I'm, although I'm morally opposed to cloning emotionally, I'd love to clone you because I think there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of schools, a lot of ministries, a lot of organizations that could really benefit from the things that you have implemented there in, uh, in your school. Um, because we do believe it's all about creating those safe environments for people to talk yeah. about difficult things that begins the transformation process. Uh, so thanks for being Thank with you. us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. And listeners, of course, we're always grateful that you're with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.